I preached, and he came up. He had this little ball of matter in his hand. He said, look at this. Now, I looked kind of suspect. I wasn't sure where he got it, but he kind of, <laughs> kind of pushed it up my face. And I said, well, what's that? He said, well, when I went back to my seat, he said, my eye began to itch. And he says, as I rubbed it, he said, this came off of my fingers. <laughs> and he came back the next night and said, this eye that God has healed is better than the eye I had the operation on. So, I mean, the anointing is powerful. Now, I didn't feel one thing when I prayed for him. I just, I had a word, I obeyed the word, and I just spoke out what was in my spirit, and that was it. There wasn't no feelings. He didn't fall over backwards. There wasn't any lightning bolts coming off my hands or anything. You know, the air didn't fill up with a mist. I mean, it was just, just obeying that inner voice. Jesus did that, didn't he? Someone asked him one day, he said, how, did you, how do you do all these things you do? He said, it's easy. I just watch my father. And whatever I see him doing, that's what I get involved in. And they said, well, where do you get all these teachings? We've never heard any man teach like you. There's, a, there's, a, there's something about your teaching. He, he said, well, he said, I just listen to what I hear my father saying, and that's what I speak. And I've endeavored to make that my approach to ministry. God, show me what you're doing, and let me hear what you're saying, I don't say that I always hit it, but that's my desire, is to see and hear and then get involved with that. And so we have to learn the language of the Spirit. How does God speak? And, you know, there's, it's so simple. See, it's an, the, the anointing works naturally in us. It's a natural thing because God created us to be anointed. I know we fell and lost that, but when we were saved, we were reinstated in the purpose of God, and we had all the plug-ins we need in the Holy Ghost. I know on the Internet you've got to load down plug-ins to do this and do that. Listen, when you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got every plug-in you need to operate in God's realm because God created you with the faculty to, be, the faculty to receive those things and move in that realm and sphere because that's your purpose. And so we don't have to be something strange and different or weird acting to be in the Spirit. Contrary to popular belief, prophetic people don't have to be rude. I get so irritated when people talk about that prophetic personality and that prophetic temperament. And I'm thinking, what do you mean prophetic? Oh, I know what you're talking about, rude. <laughs> you know... People are just rude whether they're prophetic or not, aren't they, some of them? You know, they just want to blame it on the Holy... It's not my fault I'm a prophet. No, you're just rude. You need to get over it. You need to get some manners is what you need. <laughs> Sometimes we need to say that to people. But you know, you know you, you, your lack of love has nothing to do with it. I, I your temp, teach your temperament. It's just because you're not loving and you can learn to be loving. When I married my wife, she'd want to have these conversations. How, how do you think our marriage is doing? You're like, hey, there's food on the table, the clothes are, that's great. <laughs> how do you feel about this? Feel? What do you mean feel? I don't feel anything. She got mad at me. Don't you have any feelings? I thought about it, and I said, yeah, sometimes I feel tired, sometimes I feel sick, hungry, sometimes I feel a couple other things. I said, besides that, you get more than enough feelings for both of us. <laughs> but she'd want to talk, and I said, well, I'm just quiet. She said, well, I, I, she said I'm not going to live with a man who won't talk. 
Whoa, okay. She sort of threw the, she said, you're going to change, buddy. <laughs> what she was saying, she didn't grab me by the shirt, but it was, the, it was implied, you know, that uh, you're going to talk to me whether you want to. And guess what? I learned how to talk. <laughs> Amen. I learned how to talk with her. And uh, I did discover a few years ago I did have feelings. I'm, I'm not entirely happy about it. but <laughs> Some of you brothers can, can relate to that. But nonetheless, I'm not a 90s man, so don't look for that. But uh, <laughs> they're there, and I do my best to cope with them. <clears throat> but see, the, the, what I'm saying is we can change. We can learn new ways of doing things. You can teach an old dog new tricks. We can, we, can, we can change. But there's some things about us that God made to remain the same. We're going to talk about this nature of the anointing. Let's, I want to talk about the elements that are in the anointing, the, the things that made the anointing oil. That was a special recipe that God gave to Moses that was not to be used for any other purpose than anointing the priesthood, anointing the articles of furniture. It was a holy oil. That meant it was separated from any other purpose, only dedicated to things of the Lord. And no one else was to make this. It, was a, it wasn't necessarily a secret recipe, but it was not allowed to be used by anybody else for any other purpose. And, and let's look at the things that were put into it. The first thing was myrrh. That's the first thing mentioned. Now, how many know what myrrh means? Bitter. Do you know what was one of, it was one of the things given to Jesus, wasn't it, when he was born? And it also was brought by Joseph of Arimathea when he was buried. See, myrrh was one of the ingredients that was used in the burial rites. And so myrrh symbolizes in one sense, bitterness, but also death. We joked this morning about God not being out to hurt us. He's out to kill us. Well, friend, that's, that's not a joke. That's the grim reality, that there's things in us that just need to die. And I don't know about you, but I don't die easy. I mean, I hang on to the last... <laughs> Hello? I mean, dying, I'm a survivor. How about you? I just don't roll over and play dead, man. I fight it all the way, don't you? And so if we're going to move in the anointing, the more that we allow the Holy Spirit to put to death our self-will and our self-ambition and our selfishness and our self-centeredness and allow us to become Christ-centered and other-centered and, and serving others, the more the anointing will flow. My gift and my ministry is not to bless me. It's to bless you. And the last night the brothers prayed for me and spoke. I appreciate that because I don't prophesy over myself very often, to tell you the truth. In fact, I don't think I've ever done it intentionally. There's been a couple of times God spoke to me through me, and I didn't even realize at the time he was doing it, but he was trying to warn me about something, and I was just too dumb to pick up on it. It wasn't until after it was all over, and I looked back and said, Oh, <laughs> I didn't say amen. I said, Oh, me. But uh, most time, my prophetic ministry is for other people. I don't give myself words of knowledge. If I did, I'd be driving a Harley today. <laughs> but I'd probably have to live on it, too, because my, w <laughs> my wife is not in agreement. <laughs> she'll come around. <laughs> uh, probably be too old for me to enjoy it, but she'll come around. And so myrrh, there's this work of the cross, this work of, uh, we talked about before, God wanting to take us places we don't want to go. 
you know, you can see Peter and Jesus walking down the road and uh, let's go for a walk. Well, where are we going, Jesus? Oh, you'll enjoy it. Well, where are we going? Well, we're going to go through the valley of the shadow. Of it. Hold on, I don't want to go there. <laughs> you don't relate to that, do you? I can tell. There's many times God wants to lead us into things that just we don't feel equipped for it. We don't feel as though we've got the goods. We don't feel like we've had the training. Peter went up to the man at the temple, and there he was, lame from birth, and the man stuck out his hand. Buddy, have you got a dime? Or maybe a shekel or whatever it was. And uh, Peter looked around, and he says, Man, silver and gold have I none. How many of you realize today what you don't have? Come on now, everybody knows what you don't have. If you don't know what you don't have, somebody will tell you. You know, one of your good friends, maybe your spouse, your kids, your husband, your wife. You know, someone's going to tell you, somewhere along the line, you're going to come up against what you don't have. Oh, I wish I'd have studied harder. Oh, if I'd only, oh, you know, we, we, we're, all, we're full of lack, we're full of need. But Peter didn't stay there. He didn't camp on that like many of us do. Oh, God, I could never stand up in front of people. How many know who Gerald Durstein is? How many have heard Gerald Durstein teach and preach? He's good, isn't he? Such a blessing. Well, you know, when he was a young man, he couldn't hardly put two words together without stuttering. Isn't that just like God to call somebody that can't even talk to be a preacher? Someone who can't, stu who can't even put a, a sentence together without stuttering to be a preacher. But that's what God did. Called him to preach. And when he said yes, God healed him. <laughs> he, he doesn't stutter anymore. God does the impossible. God doesn't just call us to do hard things. He calls us to do impossible things. And he's the God of the impossible. And so you're always going to be coming up against the lack in your life. But myrrh, the, the nature of the anointing is when we say, Lord, I'm willing for you to do it through me anyway. God, I'm not like our friend here that was shared the testimony. Lord, if you want me to go, then you're going to have to put some money in the mailbox because I'm flat busted. And God must have wanted him to go. He gave him what he needed and a little change extra. That's the way our God is. But we'll never know this side of the problem. We'll never know this side of the challenge. We'll never know this side of the call. We have to step through. And nobody can do that for you but you. God can't do it for you. In fact, He won't do it for you. Now, he may build a fire over here. <laughs> okay, enough of that one. <laughs> And then the next thing that was in this was cinnamon. I like cinnamon. I put it in my oatmeal once in a while, and I'm cooking oatmeal. I mean, oatmeal is sort of a bland food to begin with, isn't it? It doesn't have a lot of flavor on its own. That's why we put brown sugar and all that. Cinnamon brings out the flavor in things, doesn't it? It really does. It's a flavor enhancer. And as we think about that, what we're really saying is that we're speaking about our human nature, our human temperament. God made you to be who you are. Maybe by nature you're just sort of a quiet person. You know, uh, some of us are like the young lady who was having the good time with the dance thing this morning. Where are you, dear? You're hooping it up and having a great time. She's in the, she was enjoying herself. You know, now if you looked at that and said, well, that's the anointing, and for me to be anointed, I've got to act like that, many of us just, that's just not who we are. We wouldn't be able to pull it off, it would look fake. 
It just wouldn't seem natural. It just seemed affected. We'd seem to be doing it for our drawing attention to ourselves. But for her, it may be perfectly natural. That's just the way. I bet she's that way at football games. It's just, she's just one of those kind of people that's just exuberant. And the rest of us are, you know, my, my younger son, he's more like me. He'll, he'll, great things will be going on. He'll, just let, he'll be saying like, yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, just sort of stand there, just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I, mean, I'll tell, I can't tell you how excited I am. I'm just, <laughs> well, okay, if you say so. It's sure not showing on the outside, but that's just who he is, you see. And that's his nature. And there's nothing wrong with that. So God flows through who you are. You don't have to become Billy Graham. You don't have to become Oral Roberts. You don't have to become uh, anybody. You just have to be yourself. Be who you are. Be you, because God made you to be who you are. Now, if you're rude and you're, you know, you're, you've got problems, that's nothing to do with your nature. That has to do with your character. <laughs> character issues are a different thing. Now, God's going to change our character, but He's not interested in making you become a different person. Because He loves you the way He made you that way. He must like you that way, because He could have made you any way He wanted to. Right? So you just have to realize he just loves you for who you are now, but there will be some character issues that he'll deal with. So that anointing we discover then is, first of all, it's going to bring us to the end of our self-strength and what we can do and bring us to a place of utter reliance upon God because obviously I don't have any power to take cataracts off of people's eyes. I don't have any power to loosen up people's joints. I've seen God create a joint and a toe one night. A girl come up and said, I've been walking on the side of my foot for five years. I've had to walk like this because my foot won't bend. I had a toe joint surgically removed. And I want God to give me a new toe joint. And I said, okay, in the name of Jesus, I command a toe joint to form in that toe. Take a step. There it was. <laughs> Saw her a year later still walking. She said, look, I'm wearing high heels. I mean, God's awesome. Now, you know, I wish I could have said that I felt the power of God like a fire blowing up. Just, I didn't feel a thing. I just felt like I normally feel. Just, but I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with what you feel, but it has everything to do with what faith is, what God's doing. And just, are you getting, you understand? So this anointing will let us do things we cannot do. It's beyond our natural ability to ever do it. I don't care how many goosebumps I might feel, I could never create a joint in a person's toe. I don't care how many times I roll across this floor or how long I might be out in the Spirit or how many visions that I have when I come down, I'm still me. I'm not God. But God lives in me. And that's what he was implying when he said he wasn't comfortable in me. I wasn't giving him enough room to do what he wanted to do because I had built walls this far and no more. In fact, I was talking to the Lord one day about it. I said, don't you get tired of people putting you in a box? He said, son, there's no box big enough to hold me. <laughs> he says, what people do is they put themselves in boxes. <laughs> Amen. You know, I never thought about that, but that's true. How, who's going to box in God? Good Lord. <laughs> you know what you're talking about? You know how big he is? I mean, do you know how big create? Anybody know how big creation is? You can't measure. Well, the Bible says he just holds it like this. So how big is God anyway? You're, getting, you're not going to box him in, I'll tell you. But we, we need to kick the ends out of our boxes 
That's what the anointing is for, to kick the ends out of our boxes so we can get out. And God will enhance your personality and He'll flow through who you are. It's not how loud you speak. I was dealing with a person one time. I was just a new Christian. I'd been heavily involved in the martial arts and karate and judo and all, just out of fear. You know, and I, that, was, that was my lifestyle. I was just a self-defense, weightlifting, body, all that stuff. And I was just, you know, just always on edge. And I'd become a Christian. And God was trying to teach me some things. And I was working as a, a manager for Burger King Corporation down in West Palm Beach. It was in a kind of a tough neighborhood. And, and I remember I was working behind the grill watching things going on. My friend Larry was with me, and he was, he was a brother in the Lord. And we saw this man come in and uh, short, looked like a, like a bodybuilder kind of guy. Had a handful of money. He tried to pick up this girl in line, and she got kind of scared and ran off. And we prayed, and uh, we bound that spirit. And... Uh, you know, Larry said, I'm going to go witness to that girl because he put his money away and she just took off. And there I was alone. He came around to the window and he looked up and saw me looking at him and he said, come here, you know. And I thought, oh, boy, trouble, you know. And I went over and he stuck his hand out for me to shake hand. I took his hand. He tried to jerk me through that window. I just sort of put my hand, my hand on, the, the, on the thing there and just held him, you know, and something inside me. I was going to go through that window, buddy, and, ta- you know, that was what I was trained to do. That was my natural response. And the Lord said, we don't do things that way anymore. And man, he just pulled on me and pulling out of nowhere came this. In fact, I said it so quiet, I couldn't hear myself say it. I didn't plan to say it. It just came out and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. It was lower than I did in the microphone. Or you. And when I said that, it was like something picked him up and set him back about three feet. And he threw away my hand like it was made out of a hot poker. And his eyes got wild looking. And he looked at me and he said, talk to me like a man. Talk to me like a man. I didn't realize what he was saying at the time. (laughs) But I wasn't talking to him like a man. I was talking to him like a son of God. And I had spoken in authority of the Holy Ghost. And that demon inside of him couldn't take it. It just just blew him backwards right off. I mean, I'm telling you, he didn't jump back, friend. He was blown back. I'm telling you, I whispered it. We don't have to shout at the devil. It's not about the volume of your voice. It's about who you are and knowing who you are, knowing who's in you and being willing to release that. Friend, we have more than we ever realize. I am starting to get goosebumps now. (laughs) What a God we serve. I was a brand new Christian. I'd only been filled with the Holy Ghost a few weeks. Man, I'm telling you, I didn't have any more fear problems after that, and I just carry a 45 around. No, I'm just kidding. I'm too old now to get into gymnastic stuff anymore. But, you know, that, that showed me something. The power of God is just a whisper. But it's real. You don't have to shout and jump and holler for it to be real. You can just speak with quiet authority. I believe Jesus, when he dealt with those, he didn't, he didn't holler at them. He didn't scream at them. He didn't give them a Holy Ghost massage. He said, just come out. Same way, Paul, just come out. Who do you think you are? Come out in the name. And Peter was asked later, how'd you do this? He said, hey, listen, we didn't do it, but I'll tell you what, it's Jesus. You know that Jesus y'all crucified? Guess what, y'all? He's back. Hello, he's back. Just wanted y'all to know that. Y'all put him in the ground, but y'all didn't realize he's back. And it was his name and faith in his name that did this. Hmm. Hallelujah. Your personality is just fine. God will move through you. You don't need to be somebody else. You don't need to be somewhere else. You don't need to act like somebody else. Just be you. 
Just give him access to you. The next thing we see is Cain. Now, I lived, grew up a lot of my life in Florida. I didn't live too far from where they grew Cain. And it's just old muck. That make, that's the best ground to grow Cain in, just old mucky soil, miry muck. And this symbolizes the world. This is where God wants it to work. If you look at all the miracles Jesus did that were recorded, only about three of them out of 33 were done in church. All the rest were done out there somewhere on the roadside, you know, in the fields, in the houses around where the prostitutes hung out. If Jesus were in town today, we'd be upset with him. Hello? He would not fit our mold of a Christian. He wouldn't act like what we think a Christian acts like. He'd be hanging around with people. we say, how could he hang around with them? Here we are in church waiting on him. He's out there with those people that don't even love God. <laughs> Seems like there was another crowd that treated him that way. <laughs> because Jesus wasn't afraid to be out there. Now, he didn't partake of their sins. I've got a friend that has a, a church in Liverpool. He's a little Irish guy about this tall, a little bitty fellow. His name is Mick. And Mick one day just got tired of just being church, 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 and not reaching it. So across the street was a pub. So he went over there and just ordered himself a Coke and sat down on a table. And at first he had some guys that were, you know, getting kind of, they'd start drinking, start getting crowds around, want to pick fights with him. And he's just a little fellow, not a fighter. But God gave him a champion, the biggest, meanest guy in the pub that nobody messed with. This guy was like Big Bad John. And he became mixed champion. And that changed everything. Now that's like his church over there. That's where he keeps his daytime hours. And guys come up and start talking to him about the trouble they're having in their marriage, wanting prayer for this and needing a job. And, I need... and he's over there praying with them in the pub. I don't believe any of them started, at that time had started coming across the street to the church. But he was there where they were. Meeting them right where they were. Yeah, that's how Jesus worked. He went where people were. He went where the need, and he offered himself. If you want me, here I am. It's amazing how he asked people, what do you want? See, that's one of the reasons we don't get success is because we don't find out what people really want. I mean, he walked up to blind Bartimaeus and said, hey, blind Bartimaeus. That's what he'd have said if he'd been in South Carolina. Hey, blind Bartimaeus, or North Carolina. What do you want me to do for you? Well, you know, well, duh. Why do you think they call me blind Bartimaeus? <laughs> Have you ever just prayed for somebody assuming? No, you've probably never done that. Just start praying. But Jesus never did that. He always said, what would you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see. Or I want to be healed of this leprosy. I've prayed for, I, I was watching a woman get healed one time. It was an amazing thing. Uh, the hunters were at my father-in-law's church. He was a spirit-filled Methodist pastor down in Florida, and he invited the hunters, and they were having a healing crusade. And this woman had come in, and she wasn't part of the church. She had a withered arm. I mean, it was remarkably withered. And, and she came up to the altar, and they began to speak to that arm, I command you to grow out in the name of Jesus. You know, that arm was growing. I mean, I was sitting down there watching it. And it was just growing and growing and growing. And I said, this is amazing. This is great. And that woman said, that's not what I wanted God to do. I mean, just like that. And that arm, that arm went, zoop. I thought, you silly woman. You could have had whatever you wanted. God was blessing you, but you had, she had an attitude problem. She had bitterness. And so on. she went away with nothing that night. 
I'm telling you, that marked me. I always ask people, what do you want? See, when you find out what a person wants, you can get in line with that. And you can release that anointing. See, that, that's where God wants it to work. He wants that to be out there in the world. You can find out where, you know, what, what your friends need out in the workplace. I was in the gym lifting weights, and weightlifters are always hurting something. <laughs> something gets pulled. And this guy had come up, and he had a big knot on his pectoral. And you could see it's about like a golf ball. And he'd done something. He was, it was hurting him. I said, you want me to pray for that? He said, ah, DeGrasse, he said, I'll tell you what, if your God can heal that, you've got a convert. He was just kind of sarcastic. I said, okay, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. Gone. I mean, that man didn't know what to do. I mean, he just avoided me after that. He didn't want to come around. He didn't really want to be a convert. But, you know, he opened his big mouth and put his, and God, God put his money where his mouth, I mean, God touched him. I mean, it was just gone, just like that. He didn't know what to do. He didn't get saved that day, but I'll tell you what, he's marked for life. The anointing will mark people. They may not get saved, but, buddy, they've had an encounter with God. And I know somewhere along the line God's going to cash in on that. I remember ministering to a man in a migrant camp down in Florida. Sunday morning, these guys had drunk all weekend. Probably all that started out with good stuff and ended up with whatever they could afford. And most of it was all over the inside of this bus where they were sleeping it off. It was terrible in there. I mean, God would never go in a place like that, I know. But I mean, it stank, friend. I mean, it was just, I can't begin to describe the flies everywhere. All the, you know, stuff all over their shirts. These guys are a mess. And, I mean, you know, God would never go. He likes nice, clean atmosphere. And, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, isn't it? So I'm ministering to this guy who's a Korean War that he'd lost a part of a leg and bitter, bitter against God. Anglo guy. And uh, he wouldn't, didn't want anything to do with God, and he walked out of the bus probably just to get away from me, and I pursued him. Got him outside and said, look, can I pray for you? And he said, all right. I think he just wanted me to get off his back. I grabbed him by the hand, and I started praying in tongues. I heard myself starting to pray in Spanish. That's one of the languages that God's given to me. And, and uh, when I started praying, the Holy Ghost fell. I have never felt the presence of God like that in my entire life anywhere. I mean anywhere, before or since. He just went, boom. And so I'm praying in tongues for him. When I got done, I said, do you, the Lord spoke to me. He said, he understands what you're saying. And so when I got done, I said, you understood what I said, didn't you? He said, yeah, every word. I said, what did I say? <laughs> I was, have you ever been curious about what you said? <laughs> and uh, he said, man, he said, you just told me everything I've ever done in my life. He said, and I know it's God. I can feel his presence. Now, he didn't get saved that day either, but I'll tell you what, he's marked for life. God began something in him. I believe I'll see him in heaven because he's marked by God. The anointing will mark people. It's not about the results you get right at that moment, but it's about letting God be God and do what he wants to do. It's not about how you look. See, Peter took the, a bold approach. Most of us pray what I call safety zone prayers. We pray in such a way so that if nothing happens, we still look cool. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me like a cow that just saw a new gate. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, God who inhabits the... We just get real religion. We pray all around the whole thing. We never do just say, get up and walk. We never just do say, leg, straighten up, or arm, grow out, or cataract, come off that eye. 
When I pray for people's bodies, I talk to their body just as though those, those parts can hear me. And it's amazing because they act like they do. I speak to knees. I've seen scoliosis of the spine healed. I've seen arches form in people's feet within 45 minutes where they had none. One time a lady had a cyst on her leg, and I commanded this. I said, put your finger on that cyst. And I said, going, going, gone. I said, where is it? She said, I felt it disappear right under my finger. Listen, that's the anointing. That's not the flesh. That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The same anointing you have. But desperation has driven me to turn it loose because God pushed me into places where there were needs that in the natural I couldn't fix. I had to have God to do it or it wouldn't get done. It'll work out in the world. In case you're really wondering whether God's interested in doing those kind of things, John wrote in his book, he said, you know, we just wrote down a little bit of what Jesus did. In fact, he said if we'd have written it all down, there was no libraries big enough to hold the books. Now, if Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing... Ah, you're not getting it, are you? I can tell it's going right over here. Listen, you think he's changed? Of course, he's older now, isn't he? God's older. (laughs) He might have got him a condo down in Myrtle Beach or down in Miami Beach or somewhere. He's older. Sometimes he rouses himself and do, do a few things, you know, but then he goes, look out there, he's calling right now to straighten me out. Say, I'm not... If that's from God, just tell him I'll call him back in a minute. So if that's God, put him on. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll tell you, the anointing is powerful. It really is. The anointing does things that we can't do, and God, God wants it to flow through our life. One day I asked God, I said, I was coming back from a meeting where things happened. I said, God, why is it that when I go to these places, sometimes all these healings take place? In miracles and other times, nothing happens. Do I just catch you in a good mood? I mean, that's what I asked him. Or am I just at the right place at the right time? I mean, I don't understand what, what the, the secret is here. And the Holy Spirit said, well, what did you do on the way to the meeting? And it was like a 45-minute drive. So I prayed in tongues most of the way. And then I told you I was willing for you to use me. And then during the ministry time, I stopped and I said, let's just wait and see if God wants to do something. And then when I did that, you spoke to me and told me things to do. When I did what you told me to do, all these things happened. And I realized that every time that God had done miracles and healings, I had basically done that without realizing it. Then I began to realize that it wasn't all God.